A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the new episode of Beat Your Match Babylon. I'm Bruce Ackland and this is Sam Delaney. Now Sam, what a bloody treat we've got today. Let me ask you, can I ask you a couple of questions and it is related to the subject of this podcast? Yes, I'd love you to. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions then. Shall we, Sam, dance into the fire? <laughs> oh, I'd love to, mate. <laughs> Shall we indeed bestow that fatal kiss, which is all we need? Yeah, let's do it, mate. Feels let's right. Dance, let's dance into the fucking Let's fire. do it, mate. Because the only choice is the view to kill. Yeah. <laughs> so that's obviously, so it's a view to kill. It's uh, 1985. It's the summer of 85. It's a view to kill. It's Roger Moore's Bond swan song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fucking weird Bond movie, let's be honest about really it. Really weird, yeah. Um, but uh, for me... If I can sort of sum up imme- just immediately my feelings about a view to kill and mm. why we're doing it, it's um, for me. It's that there was, there was, you know, Roger did three f- Bond films in the eighties. Uh, Timothy Dalton came along at the end of the eighties to do two Bond films when he when he took over. Um, of those Bond films, this is the Bond film that is the most eighties Bond film. <laughs> it's mm. got a lot of eighties elements to it, and it even obviously has, uh, you know, it's got. It's got um, it's got a great theme song, mm, yeah. Uh, which which is you know up until recently was the easily the most successful Bond film, commercial uh, Bond song commercially. Right. Um, it's got a fantastic a fantastic villain, um, and I was I've been very pleased actually recently to discover that I'm not alone in this, and that he's a bit of a dark horse, Max Owen, and that a lot of um, Bond fans actually. Kind of, you know, have him around their top five Bond villains. Yeah, I think he's a good. Villain. I'll go into why, mm. but um, you, you, you've got that. Um, it's got a, Grace Jones, which is almost a classic bit of novelty casting, you might think. But uh, for me, it works. Mm. You've got uh, James Bond finally teaming up on screen, so to speak, with um, John Steed from the Avengers. Yeah, in obviously Patrick McNee. Um, so there's lots of really cool stuff in this. Yeah, there's lots of stuff that's like a bit of an eye, eye eyeball roller. But overall, I actually think when you watch these films, and I did once about three years ago, I did a Bond marathon. I've got all of the movies. You went full partridge. I did. I totally did. <laughs> I did, yeah. And I went through all of them. And I found it quite... A, it was, you know, like I probably did like... I did one a night over a period of time. Um, in order? In order? I did I did do them in order, yeah. And what I, what I discovered was, and, and in a way it made me sort of reappraise View to Kill in some ways, what I discovered is that, first of all, I discovered that out of all the Bond films, the one thing that the Bond films do right is you very rarely, if ever, get a boring Bond film. Yes. The only boring Bond film, watch them all, that I actually thought, fuck, this is... This is boring, and I've lost interest in this. Was the world is not enough? 
Yeah. Person. yeah. That one was really like, Jesus, this is this is just boring. The action scenes are boring, it's all boring. Yeah. Um But then I came down and realised that a view to kill, if we separate it from the Craig era, which in a way I think you have to, just in a sense that Things changed so much when Daniel Craig came. It was a complete reboot of the character and the franchise. It was was obviously very influenced by the Bourne films that had come along. um, And and they're great movies, Daniel Craig's Bond movies. I'm a big fan of him, a massive fan of him as Bond. Um, But if you take the other Bond films, I kind of weirdly started having this sort of, despite its failings, and despite the stuff that doesn't work, I started really, really massively warming to, towards a view to, view to a kill. You know, it's a bit, mm. um, it's a, it's a bit like um, I don't know. It's a bit like it's a bit like if you went to like um, if you went to like a Batsy dog's home, right? And you were looking at a dog, you might think I want to get a nice dog, you know. And you might go there a few times, but there might be a dog that looks a bit ugly, it's got a leg missing or something, and you think I'd never have that. But you see it enough times, you suddenly realise that its faults are quite charming, you know. Mm. And so I think View to Kill is sort of like the ugly three-legged dog of the Bond films in that you've the things that the things that are a bit iffy about it, you know, like Roger being way, way too old to still be playing the role. Yeah. You kind of begin to sort of <laughs> you're sort of loving it. So I'm actually quite passionate about a view to kill. Uh, I, I I agree with the uh, what I really like about it is the eightiesness. Like for instance, mm. I love and I nearly purchased not long ago on eBay mm. the poster. Right? You've oh, the poster is like, fucking great. Roger Moore back to back with Grace Jones. There's something so oh, it, it really yeah. vividly reminds yeah. me of that time when it came out when I was about yeah. ten years old yeah. and the excitement that surrounded it. In the days when I guess there was less kind of uh, marketing activity uh, Mm. being rubbed in your face about so many films every day. But when a Bond film came out, it was on every cereal box, wasn't it? And I just remember it all so vividly and it being so mad that Grace Jones was in it. Watching it again, you know, specifically for this podcast, like Grace Jones is actually fantastic in it. I mean, I suppose as you'd expect, Grace Jones is just a fantastic person, isn't she, that brings something magical and mental to everything she does. So she is a great Bond villain. Um, uh, Roger Moore is my favourite Bond. And, you know, where where I prefer him in the 70s films, I guess, uh, I think is where he's at his best. And he is, I mean... I mean, you'd actually prepared me for this. You'd you'd (laughs) given me a little reminder. You said, mate, get ready, because Roger Moore is so old in this film that he literally he's not actually playing Bond apart from the shots that are so close up on his face they've got no alternative right but, and I can believe well, the thing the thing is right I want to see I'd love someone to maybe someone's done it I'd love someone to work out how much of on-screen time is Roger's stuntman and yeah. how much is actually Roger because as soon as you get the, the there are moments in a view to kill I promise you where Roger uses a stuntman to get out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you that happens. And you know, because as soon as the stuntman's taken over, you get this weird behind shot, which you never usually mm. do if it's your star. Mm. And and the because also because no one's got hair like Roger. 
Right, he's got this crazy sort of... Sort of the hair he's is, got in this it's, film... It's dusty, it's gingery, it's mate, blondy, the, the, it's brownie. The, and his... I mean, I'm not imagining this, am I? His hair in this film no. is nothing like his hair in any of the other Bond films, right? No, it's... it's and at first I thought, <laughs> is no, it a toupee? I, so. I don't know if it's a toupee or not. I think but it's it got, I think it... Something's it, going on there. It's got a back-combed sort of bouffant quality to it. <laughs> it looks like there's been a lot of hair net. Um, you know, there's been a lot of hairspray on it, right? It's got, yeah, it's been coloured and it's gone sort of yeah. coppery. It's got a coppery it, feel to it. It looks like it really, and, and also bear in mind, the stuntman has to wear a wig that yeah. attempts to approximate it. Mm. It looks like candy floss. Yes, it is mad. It looks like candy and floss. I, so you know, you know straight away. I you know think, straight away. I don't, you know. I love I love Roger Moore, and even in this yeah. film, he pulls it off, despite the fact he's old, yeah. because that's, he's, yeah, he's he Roger Moore, and he's got this he's, Roger, yeah. he's got this suave sort of way about him. And the other thing about him is one of the main reasons I think he's the best Bond is that he's got this very clever way of letting you know that he knows this is fucking all stupid, because <laughs> Bond is a yeah. James Bond's a, a bit of a knob, right? In my opinion, I mean, if you you know. It's fucking bully boy. Yeah, it's not just that. He just seems like a, an idiot. Like, you know, you can imagine <laughs> someone like him, if you met Bond in real life. Let's think real yeah. life here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. James Bond, with all that, I'll have a martini shaking not so being really prissy in particular about how he has his drink or how he has his food or where he orders his cigarettes from or yeah, what his suit is stuff. like, right? That's all that right. nonsense. The way he speaks to women, and I'm not going to go on a big, oh, James Bond's so sexist, because that's such a... It's, it's a chestnut. It's true. It's, so rogue, it's, it, it's it. true, but it's so kind of... But the thing is, it's not the sexism as much as just the pathetic corniness of his approach to women. Like, there's a scene in this one, for example. Well, there's two scenes. First, the pre-title sequence, always, always arguably the best bit of any Bond film. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird on this one, isn't it? Because they really just weird. Ski, ski him on motif from, and yeah, yeah. Them in the, So in it's the basically a, a, a less good, a less good version of the Spy Who Loved Me opening. The Spy Who Loved Me opener is the best James Bond pre-title sequence, isn't it? Right, yeah. Um, yeah. and that's a, 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 an incredible, breathtaking uh, chase, the ski chase down a mountainside incredible ending with this incredible song right absolute knockout and that must have been about 10 years previously 10 years later they've done the same thing but it's like they've done it on a budget because the (laughs) slope is much less steep right there's less wide helicopter shots there's not the big leap at the end right the funniest bit is that fucking James suddenly he he makes (laughs) uh, on the run a makeshift snowboard and this would have been when snowboarding When snowboarding, right, would have been like fucking no one's heard of snowboarding. I, right? I, I believe the Bond and, people have suggested that they invented snowboarding. In that right, moment. they go right, right. We'll get um, we'll 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 do we'll we'll get him on a snowboard, right? And it, so he, I can't remember how he makes it, but he's being chased and he sort of rips mm. something it, off it of it. Gets shot off. It gets shot off. I think, off a skidoo or something. So. <laughs> So it's all quite exciting and, you know, and your blood's pumping. You're thinking, yeah, "Yeah, I'm really in a Bond mindset, right? (laughs) And then he starts riding down and they start playing (laughs) fucking, like, uh, California Girls, right? No. No, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. It's the Beach Boys, isn't it? They start playing the Beach Boys, right? But a comedy sped up version of it. And you're thinking... Mm. 
that we've, we're only five minutes into the movie here. We haven't even had the title sequence, and right. you're doing a, a really stupid comedy bit, right? <laughs> plus, on top of that, plus on top of that, it's the first bit, which you'd warn me about, where you clearly, for what feels like about five seconds, yeah. see a man who looks not much like Roger Moore, right, <laughs> pretending to be Roger Moore, snowboarding. Oh, right? God. But, it yeah, makes no so, sense. No. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, this is the only issue with 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 Roger was that um, this started to, to, to sort of come into things a little bit because mm. you had, um, in Octopussy, you had some insane bits like that um you might be able to hear someone hammering out, outside yeah it's, care, that, that's reassuring to hear i like that mm. um <laughs> uh but the thing about the roger moore ones is that in octopussy they started doing that like there's a couple of bits in octopussy which I, again i think is a pretty strong bond mm. movie but there's a couple of bits that are just ridiculous like there's a bit where he's in the jungle and he swings on a vine and they superimpose the Tarzan oh, oh yeah 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 yeah, right? yeah and then because at that time you, you still were at the height of you know Mary Woodhouse with the training dogs thing oh yeah yeah, you, yeah. You, people people who are well you know most people remember Mary Woodhouse <laughs> yeah it was a silly old fucker yeah, <laughs> on the TV, this who used to teach like dogs to behave and that. For a while, she uh, felt like the biggest star on British TV. She was, no, and all she was, she was was an old woman who trained a dog to sit down. <laughs> yeah, that that was the eighties for you, wasn't it? Yeah. But there's a bit where where he comes across a tiger in the jungle, and Roger Moore actually goes sitter. Oh, God. to this tiger, and the yeah. tiger fucking they like rewind, they like almost like rewind to a reverse the shot. Sits down. That's and like so, a. Yeah, that started to sort gimmicky, of gimmicky bit. pop cultural references, yeah. contemporary pop cultural references have no place in a Bond movie, do they? No, but it was they. They were like, oh, Roger Moore loved that. They loved the fact that Roger's sort of funny in that. Can yeah. I just say something? You mentioned um, uh, "Spy Love Me" and obviously the fact the greatest ever Bond theme song. Mm. I would say nobody does it better. Nobody yeah. does it better. Do you remember? Because this is just reminded me because you brought it up. Obviously, over, the, over the, the opening credits, you get Carly Simon singing it mm. beautifully. Weirdly, and for no apparent reason, over the end credits, you get her song again. But as an intro, you get this weird sort of raucous group intro, intro like it's done by a bunch of like drunken sailors. Right? <laughs> and it's really weird. And it, 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 it goes like this, right? It goes something like this. It goes... Nobody does. All the rest. Like that. Then it goes into. Sounds like a dog singing it. Rassages. I'm trying to sort of. I'm trying to sort of impersonate a group of rowdy sailors, naval people. And then it goes into the song, you know, really weird. But so it's very strange. But me and a, a mate of mine, we used to, we were so tickled by this as we got older when we'd watch it again, thinking like that's so weird. That we you know how it is when you talk about it with a mate and suddenly it becomes something you gets added to and added to. That within about <laughs> four weeks after us realising how ridiculous it was, mm. it suddenly become da 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 Oi! Yeah, <laughs> nobody does. Really, yeah, right. It's like <laughs> Slade doing what? a doing a song with Chas and Dave. Why, why stop there? Why stop there? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah it's. 
Now the Beach Boys thing is the, so they that do way. that. Mm. Then then I kind of it gets it off to a lackluster start. So done that gag. You think mm. the ski chase is just a less impressive uh, version mm. of ski chases we've seen yeah. before. So there's a few films yeah. he's done ski chases in, right? Oh, uh, Secret Service. Yeah, exactly. One, yeah. And so and then what he does is eventually having I think he blows up a helicopter using a flare, which seems slightly far fetched, right? Uh, but whatever, that's fine. And then he he's just killed some people in a helicopter and he goes, right, what am I going to do now? And he has a look around and there's an iceberg floating around and a Union Jack sort of lid flips up out of it. And yeah. and it's a fucking... The iceberg is a disguised submarine with no windows, right? Yeah. And, and he, it, which for some reason have decided that they'll have this quite big Union Jack flip top on it, right? To show, remind Bond where it is. He climbs inside and... <laughs> com- where it is. Completely inexplicably, right? Yeah. Hey, Bond, Bond, right? When, when, you're, uh, when you finish your ski chase, right? And you've got hold of the microchip, right? Um, it, all you have to do is find the iceberg that we've got, right? That's a submarine iceberg and climb inside it. And he'll go, yeah, all right, Q, how the fuck am I supposed to spot? Which uh, there's fucking, we're going to be in <laughs> Siberia. There's icebergs fucking everywhere, mate. Everywhere. How am I supposed to know which one's mine? I could be I could be being chased by a load of KGB, right? And I've got to check every, I've got to go around every iceberg and start knocking on it to see if anyone's inside. And they've gone, yeah, all right, fair, fair enough. But listen, what we'll do is, we, it's going to have a lid, and when we can hear, when I, when the driver can hear you outside, he'll open the lid. And you go, well, I still need something more to make it more visible. All right, we'll fucking paint the lid with a Union Jack. Then you'll know it's fucking definitely yours, right? He goes, yeah, good idea. So he sees this Union Jack. He runs over and he jumps inside this iceberg, which has no windows, right? But it's inside, it's huge, it's like the TARDIS, it's quite nicely decked out. And inexplicably, there is just a really glamorous blonde dolly bird who looks like someone out of 80s page three, right? And she's... I was going to say, she looks like someone out of... She looks like someone on the front cover of Fiesta. She looks (laughs) like... I tell you who she reminds me of a lot is the girl who used to... I say girl, but, you know, used to date... Frank McAvenny, uh, the West Ham striker in the 80s, right? Her name was Jenny... Um, oh, what was her name? I'm going to get it here. Uh, Jenny Blythe. Her name was Jenny Blythe, right? And she was... Actually, come to think of it, doesn't that blonde woman in the iceberg look a little bit like Frank McAvenny? She does, yeah, a little bit. Well, Frank, that was it. They won those couples like... Um, Brian May and Ange Watts, who, you know, you see couples sometimes, don't you, just look like each other. I mean, that's a bit weird, right? A bit narcissistic. But, yeah, Frank McAvenny, Jenny Blythe, whichever it was. I don't know if it was one of them actually playing the role. But he gets in and there's this Dolly Bird like, who's in charge of driving this um, iceberg that has no windows. So fuck knows how she knows where she's going. It's not explained why she's there in full makeup, right, in no. Siberia working for him. Mm. And then he goes, right, stick it on auto. He gets in and he he pulls out the mic. She goes, did you do it? And he goes, yeah. And he pulls out a can of beluga caviar, which he's fucking picked up along the way, right? A big bottle of vodka, right? He's like, oh, look at this. And then he pulls out the microchip that he's been briefed to get. And then he goes, stick the submarine on autopilot, right? And so I thought, oh, God, not already. I'm watching my eight-year-old son, and he's like giving me a look. He's of a very modern 21st century generation. Even at his age, he's like, this bloke's a bit of a dickhead, isn't he, Dad? And I'm like, 
yeah, just go with it, though. It's Roger Moore. He knows he's being a dick. It's all supposed to be a laugh, right? And uh, then she comes over to do something. She's supposed to be a professional. She's supposed to be a professional spy. This woman. She's got to be professional. She can't right? just be like some and model they've hired. She's yeah. doing something. And what James Bond does is right. Having just murdered all these people moments earlier, <laughs> right? He's literally just murdered loads of people, and and had this man chase. And he's there with the vodka and the caviar. And when she walks over to the little sofa bit that he's sitting on, he grabs a lever that's sort of like a brake, and he purposefully. <laughs> makes the whole fucking submarine jolt so violently <laughs> that she falls over onto him and he grabs onto her, right? And then my she son's really... onto his cock. Onto his lap. And that, my son's really looking at me then like, what the fuck is this what bloke is up going to? On here? Right? What's and, his I, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, first of all, why would his first thought be after committing a, a killing spree... Right, now I'm about... Right, good, that's that over with. Now I'm about ready to get my leg over with my colleague, right? <laughs> we are on a mission, but I need... Hold on a minute, hold on a minute, Sam. I've got to just interject quickly there, because you might... you might. I'm not saying that I'm with you all the way. You might be being a little bit unfair, because I I haven't undertaken a killing spree. No. Have you undertaken a killing no, spree? No, I don't know how it would make me feel. So, it just... it, I don't know, maybe it makes you, like, mega horny. Yeah, well, it and, does to him, because he's know. a psychopath. But then, yeah. like, the whole thing of, like, if he does want to seduce her, which, again, I'm saying a bit weird, but each yeah, their own, yeah. and, you know, she's a consenting mm. adult and all of that. Yeah. But why doesn't... If he's supposed to be so smooth, right, if he's supposed to... This character is supposed to be the most urbane, smooth, charming man in the in the world, mm. why would he resort to thinking, right, what I'm going to fucking do is, right, I want to get off with this girl. So what <laughs> I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make up a reason for her to walk over here to this sofa that I'm on, and then I'm going to fucking pull on the handbrake on this submarine, right, and I'm going to make her fall over on top of me. And then once she's done that, I mean, you know, all bets are off. That's it. Done deal. She just tricked her. So I thought that was weird, but I suppose it's just classic Bond. At this stage of the movie, at this stage of the movie, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, this seems like a cut price Bond. It's like loads of Bond things I've seen, but done to a slightly lesser extent. But then in come Duran Duran and a fantastically directed opening title sequence. And then you're like, yes, this is fucking exhilarating. I mean, it really is a great song. Yeah, it is a great song, and it really sort of it's, it sets you up. I mean, I think the, the so the thing with Ro- Roger's age is, in, in a way, it doesn't detract from your enjoyment. But like like I was saying earlier, there is definitely a point at which you find it charming, because like think because the thing is, is that I, I like I enjoy his banter with Patrick Mitney, the mm. way that he's meant to be his chauffeur. Oh, he? God, and, yeah. And he just treats him like shit, and, yeah. and he gets enjoyment out of it. That, that's a really sort but of... Do you think he takes that too far, though? Maybe he does, but it, it's funny. You know, it's a good, like, running gag, in it, for a bit? Yeah. Um, but the only time that I think I really sort of... You sort of... It really hits home to you, that obviously Roger's getting older and all that, and all that. <clears throat> Apart from the stuntman, you know, the incredible use of overuse of the stuntman... Is that because Rog was pushing sixty, right? Mm. And Patrick McNeil, I'm guessing, was pushing seventy at the time, and they're sort of teamed up. They they have to make initially, apart from Mayday, the other henchmen. Mm. They have to make in their seventies to yeah. make it believable. Yeah, yeah. So they're having to make the henchmen increasingly older as Roger got older to make it believable. Mm. And so one of the 
one of the key sort of um, action scenes in the first half of the film is this fight in the that stables. Roger and Patrick McNee have yeah. in basically. So you, what you've got is you've got this massive summer action film, massive summer film, the new Bond film, massive summer, summer 85, you know, View to Kill, huge summer action scene. And one of the tent pole action scenes in the entire film is 60-year-old Rog and 70-year-old Patrick McNee yeah. having a punch-up with, with a load of 70-year-olds in with, the basement. With, it's like, do you know what it's like? Well, it's like a fucking bingo night gone wrong at a Darby and Joan club. It's like... You know, you expect to see sort of Volavons <laughs> flying and all that. It's, and this is like this is like a tempo action scene in one of the big action movies of the summer. It's, but when you look at Dif- it, it's different times. It's, it's kind of charming. You and think, one of the, one of the bigger. one of the henchmen, right, is mm. um, uh, the market trader from Albert Square Market, who I think was known as Big Dave. Um, <laughs> is he the one that's got the weird hat with the little feather in it? Yes. Like, so it's, yeah. he, he was he was a permanent. Fi- I think his name was Dave. I'm not mm. sure. My Eastenders knowledge is pretty rusty. But in those early years, and of course, 1985 was the year Eastenders started as well. But he mm. was one of these guys who was a permanent fixture in the background in pretty much every scene in Eastenders yeah. for about the first ten years. And I think his name was Big Dave, and he was you know anyone who remembers Eastenders from that era will recognise him. He's this big fat bloke with a beard, and in this scene where he has to fight Bond, he has yeah a weird sort of tweed hat, not unlike the ones <laughs> that sort of German Alpine folk wear. Yeah, even yeah, though this exactly is, is this yeah. is he's working for an American. I think Christopher Walken's supposed to be American. American. He's certainly got an well, American he's, accent. He's, he's actually a, he's a he's a he's Is he a, a defecting tech, Soviet or something like that. He's actually, and this is one of the reasons Zorin is so brilliant. Of course, is his brilliant backstory. He's actually a test tube Nazi. Yes, he's a it. Nazi experimentation, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, great. And <laughs> uh, but but he was used by the KGB mm. and has since gone like rogue. So like the KGB. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I kind of want him gone and... So he's got, right. he's gone it yeah. alone. So he's, I mean, alone, yeah, yeah, he's got these people working for him. But again, this is another moment where I think this is like budget bond because yeah, when he's is, fighting yeah. big day from albert square market <laughs> right which makes it i mean it was terrible timing for the people who made the bomb film because they would have cast yeah. him in like 1984 <laughs> or 1983 yeah. even yeah. and thought he's good right and then a few months before they launched the film right he turns up in the background playing a fucking market stall bloke in <laughs> albert square and they then oh god this doesn't fit at all right he could have let us know he had this in the pipeline 
But so you're looking at it, you think, that's the geezer from EastEnders. And he's not even a main guy in EastEnders. It's not like it's Den Watts or Tony Carpenter, right? It's an extra from EastEnders. But also, <laughs> Big Dave, right, is quite big. He's quite yeah. big. And yeah. so when he picks up Roger Moore, you're quite scared. But you've seen Jaws <laughs> pick up Roger Moore. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Jaws yeah. is enormous and really terrifying. Like when I was a kid, I was shit scared. Of Jaws. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that I've grown out, but I'm shit scared of Jaws now, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, once you've seen that happen and he can't, you know, those scenes in a couple of films where he can't quite fight Jaws off and now, no matter how hard he hits him, Jaws just laughs, right? Mm. He basically reenacts the same thing, but with a man who's much smaller and more benign looking because the, the right description of, of Big Dave is he's just kind of cuddly. He looks like yeah, a nice, yeah, cuddly it's, uncle. It's absolutely ridiculous. But, again, that's tying tie into the fact of, like, Roger's age, you know? Mm. And and so they're they're trying to sort of think well it would be ridiculous because um, there's just sort of well we jump all around the film don't we because that that's kind of fucking dangerous blokes we are mm, we drink mm. tea at bedtime we don't oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we've got <laughs> um, no respect for timelines no 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 um, there's um, there's the, one of the scenes with Grace Jones one of the sort of backup henchmen is um, or I think is it a KGB agent well anyway. Dolph Lundgren has a tiny role in this, non-speaking. <laughs> and that was because they wanted someone that looked like he was a bit sort of physically imposing. Mm. Just literally for just like a small shot. No speaking, yeah. just a quick shot. And he was dating Grace Jones at the time. So she said, well, now my boyfriend is, looks imposing. He's like blonde. He looks a bit KGB and that sort of thing. Um, and um, he's in, in the role. Now, if you'd had a young, at the time, a young D- Dolph Lundgren... Um, being beaten up by, by Roger Moore, you know, you might have felt it stretched things a bit. So they were, that's a good example for me of how they were like, you know, they could have used Dolph Lundgren, but they were like, no, that would be a bit a bit silly. Are we going to talk, well, we need to talk about it, about the Roger Moore, Grace Jones bed scene and how it didn't kill Roger <laughs> there and then? Well... He's creeping about not long after the geriatric bust-up that you've described, right? Yeah. And by the way, just briefly on that, mm. I know this is the case in all Bond films, but it mm. seems particularly prominent in this one. So, do you ever just feel that Bond goes way too over the top in a fight? So he's beaten <laughs> these guys, right? And it's not a big deal. He's, you know, it's a straight fist fight. McNee turns out to have been no use whatsoever. So more has to yeah. do them both. But rather than just be satisfied with like punching them out and immobilising them and then moving on with his mission, mm. he puts them on this fucking conveyor belt that is boxing <laughs> up. I don't know what it's a, it's a conveyor belt because it's boxing shit up. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, it's right? just boxing shit up. In Chris, yeah. in Christopher Walken, for some reason, has a boxing machine, right? That boxes <laughs> things in 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 the in I the fucking base in the basement of his French pa- his fucking French palace, right? It's like the it's like the Versailles Palace that he lives in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he's a right in the basement. We want to set up some industrial uh, packaging machinery, right? Because you never know when that might be necessary. So Bond puts Big Dave on a conveyor belt and has him strapped in to a box in a way that you think he's going to probably choke and kill the bloke, yeah. but he's not bothered about that. Then he goes creeping around the palace, and when Mayday catches up with him, his way of sort of almost showing Mayday that he's not creeping around and he's on the level, he thinks, yeah. I know what I'll fucking do. She's, she's <laughs> going to find me now creeping about in her room. But rather than look dodgy, 
what I'm going to do is strip off naked because he appears to be naked, right? He goes, and I'll fucking... naked. He goes, I'm going to I'm gonna take all my... Right, what do I do? Right, he's like, there's trapped in the room and he starts thinking to himself, right, James, remember your training. Remember your training. Calm down, breathe, right? Think, think of plan. What did they teach you at, at Spy School? Right, what do I do? How do I get out I know. Right, I'm going to strip, start bollock naked and I'm going to get into her bed, right? Mm. And then when she comes in ready to kill me, I'll completely throw her by saying, yeah. do you fancy a bunk yeah. up? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then she'll be like, she, she'll be like really confused by that. And um, when you discombobulate, yeah. And then she sort of goes, she thinks, fucking hell, this is a bit weird. He goes, oh, Modo, you're, uh, oh, I was waiting for you to give me your special attention, right? Now, any right-minded woman, <laughs> let alone Grace Jones, get would be like, you know what? Yeah. Get the fuck out of my bed, right? Before I smash your bollocks, right? She's gone bit weird then she's looked out behind her and christopher walken who's Walken's her boyfriend boy, he's yeah. hanging about and he he kind of shrugs and goes go for yeah, it on, do you know what I mean? and i don't yeah. know what his agenda is he just sort of goes through he does a half smile and shrugs that's, and goes yeah that's someone's agenda is just being fucking brilliant at all times in this <laughs> yeah he goes fucking he, do it he's, it's magnificent. So she goes Have you in. Read Roger Moore's autobiography. He's not. I, I, I went. I, I haven't. I've gone. I did go to see um, Roger Moore do a mm. one-man show. Well, in in conversation with his autobiographer, mm. like the guy who goes straight for him. He did a tour not long before he died, mm. and I went along to a, a local theatre to me, and it was a night with Roger Moore. It was fantastic. Did but you tell the story. The you story. you tell it now. I remember him not liking Grace Jones yeah. at all. But, of course, he's well, so charming, he wouldn't come out and say it like yeah. that. I mean, it's interesting because Grace Jones, whenever she's interviewed about that film, she says he loved working with Roger Moore. So mm. there's a bit of talk about, oh, why didn't Roger get on with her? One one idea was just it was a bit of a sort of... A little bit of a personality clash in that mm. she was in a, like, uh, what do you call it, like, trailer and sort of played music loud and all that. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing is... when they Do you the mind picture, awfully turning down that pop music, <laughs> dear you, girl? Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine it, can't you? What <laughs> is that? Uh, pull, up yeah. to the, pull up to the bumper. I'm sure it's very popular with the kids, yeah. but yeah. Um, uh, and I, I'm and more I, of a I, Sinatra I, man. Yes, I hardly endorse safe driving. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, uh, he says, Roger Moore says that for unbeknownst to Roger Moore, she get in the, when they were filming that scene, she got into the bed and <laughs> pulled out a massive black dildo. <laughs> I mean, you got you got to say, fucking hell, Grace Jones, you got to hand it to her, haven't you? What a brilliant idea! What a fantastic idea. Yeah. What a brilliant idea. So And what did I she do? She didn't try to set about him with it, did she? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, like, I'm gonna turn I'll turn the tables on you here, you bastard. <laughs> Clobbering with it. <laughs> Clobbering with it, no. I don't I don't I don't think she I don't think she did. But that's apparently so I don't I don't know how you know, I don't know how well that went down or, or like... Can or I, just, I just ask you something else about um, the Grace joke? Like, so there's a, there's a fucking amazing scene in this movie near the beginning where... But by the way, at the beginning, I'm thinking, right, Bond, he's back. What's this going to be about? Usually, the Russia, you know, some rogue terrorist has got hold of a nuclear bomb. He's going to hold the world to ransom. Yeah. Someone's going to release a killer virus. Someone's planning on kidnapping the fucking prime minister. I don't know what, but it'll be big, and Bond will have to do it. And then this one starts. You think so? Let's get this straight. This is about hooky horse owners, right? This is about something yeah, down the fucking not that, is it? down at the, but that's yeah. what it feels like at first because yeah, you yeah, think sure. what. 
what's going on here? His initial yeah. briefing, right? Yeah. It just seems to be about someone's got this. Like, this doesn't feel like the sort of stuff that should be top level governmental discussion. They get him in the office and they go, right. <laughs> and he's going, it's almost like Bonswald to him goes, right, what is it, Gov? What have we got this time? Who's, who's stolen a nuke, right? What are the Russians <laughs> up to, right? Who's defecting, right? And he goes, sit down, right. There's a geezer up at the fucking races, right? And I'm not joking. Every fucking horse he's put into a race for the last fucking six weeks has won. And it's not like, at, it's like an episode of Minder, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, he goes, and he's won. He's, he's not just won by a nose. I mean, he is. He, all of his horses are fucking. Right they fucking, like, taken the piss, right? And so I don't know whether he's feeding them sugar cubes or what he's doing, right? Mars bars, I've heard a lot of them do that because the glucose helps. But what I want you to do, James Bond, Britain's best spy, is get yourself down fucking sand down, right? Have a sniff around the stables, right? And see what the fuck's going on. And he's like. Well, hang on a minute, uh, boss. Uh, am I'm uh, I'm Britain's most highly trained spy. I've saved the world on a number of occasions. This this feels like something that you know. At the most, you'd send like a detective inspector from the local police station down <laughs> yeah, to investigate, yeah. right? Uh, no, we really, you know, the government. We've even had the Home Secretary in touch about this. I mean, this cunt. He's costing people. He's costing punters a fucking fortune. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have it, Bond. We cannot have it. Oh, Go down. I reckon, <laughs> right, the Home Secretary reckons it's a fucking Mars bar situation, right? Let's not forget, this is like Shergar went missing recently. I don't know if that's linked to it. They say that was the IRA. I don't know. I reckon, and this might sound far-fetched, I reckon that they've got hold of some hooky microchips through which they can control the horses. <laughs> and I reckon they're embedding microchips in the horses. But a lot of people think that I'm being like a bit crazy when I say that. But you'll get to the bottom of it, I'm sure. Anyway, he goes to meet this French detective whose name, he's got an amazing name. <laughs> he's got a ludicrous name. He's got right. a... Kill is so schizophrenic because the Bond girl's got a really normal name, hasn't she? Yeah. Which yeah. is really weird. Stacey Sutton. It's so yeah. strange, like a normal name. And you think, oh, they're doing away with stupid names. Then suddenly up pops a French detective called Aubergine. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. His name's Aubergine. Oh, and he oh, is oh. straight out of a lower low. I mean, <laughs> you is, could uh, not, mate. He's a comedy actor. In fact, I tell you who he's more like, right? His name is Achille Aubergine, right? And I was sure <laughs> it couldn't be a Frenchman playing him because it seems like a... English, uh, a, a xenophobic Englishman playing. Yeah. In fact, at one point, you yeah, know what? Frenchman. It's exactly like Kenny Everett's French character. Now, oh, what Ma was his Mar name? Marcel Wave. Marcel yes, Wave. right. Not, not the, not the mime artist, right? No, no, no. You mean he, he was actually? He kind of looked like Albert Finney in Murder on Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of airnet thing. Yeah, and he's like that. He's like, hello, my little roast beefs, yeah, like that. Yeah. That's what he's like. He's got a big moustache, right? And he plays the whole thing like a character from Hello, Hello or Kenny Everett, right? And he's going on about to... And they're having this fucking lunch in a fancy French restaurant. Mm. And then this weird show comes on, which I think, when did this happen in the 80s in French restaurants? It feels like a pretty sophisticated place. And suddenly, in the middle of it, it's a lunchtime as well, not the evening, they announce a bit of... An act, a turn, comes on. And it's sort of... You, you think, is this a stripper? And she comes on and she starts doing this weird dance and performance with some floating butterflies, right? 
and Bond watches as the person who dressed all in black controlling the floating ba- uh, butterflies from, from stage left using an enormous fishing rod. By the way, I know if you haven't watched film recently, what I'm saying now sounds fucking ludicrous. But <laughs> I am... I am I am, I am describing... This is exactly correct how I'm describing it. I am not yeah. embellishing any of this. So the, the, there is someone dressed entirely in black, a stagehand controlling these butterflies that the performer is dancing with on stage. Someone comes along, takes out that stagehand, right, and starts controlling and brings their own fishing rod with butterflies, right, one of which has a poisoned, like, pin attached to it, a poisoned needle, which he then swings across the room and into the neck of Inspector Aubergine, the French detective who is about to tell James Bond some important information about this dodgy horse trainer, right? And you think, what a fucking elaborate way to kill a bloke right like there are so many ways you could kill a bloke and christopher walken has got together with grace jones and said you need to um we need to take this detective out he's been sniffing around and i think he's going to pass important information on soon to british intelligence so you need to take him out and she's gone well how do you want me to do it he's well actually i've got this idea i know where he's going for lunch right um in a couple of days so what we'll do is we'll lay on... They Apparently, they do a really amazing butterfly show at this restaurant at lunchtimes, right? So my idea it is... is, it is France. My, my idea is you go along, you take out the person responsible for controlling the fucking but, the pretend butterflies, and then you, you make a poisoned butterfly and you somehow, using a really long fishing rod, swing it into the neck of the geezer and that'll kill him, right? So anyway, he dies in front of James Bond's eyes... And James Bond doesn't feel any... There's no sort of hesitation. There's no yeah, shock. Just gets straight up. He, he pulls his yeah. gun out immediately. Yeah. I like and, that. And all these French people run over and go, what's going on here? What's the matter? And Bond just goes... And it's such lazy writing. Bond just goes, <laughs> he had a fly in his soup. Right? And he, I'm not thinking, that doesn't even work. It was a butterfly, no. you dickhead. It's not even a you, fly, mu- no. you, you must have been able to think of yeah. a better line than that. But then... Well, the bit I'm getting to is that I want to ask yeah. you about. He then, and it's one of the most famous scenes in the film, and it was used for all the imagery around the film in the marketing. Yeah. He chases her up the Eiffel Tower, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, the Eiffel Tower, I don't know when it was built, but certainly a long time before this film was made. But yeah. um, it was it was quite popular in the 80s, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. isn't it in Superman 2 as well? There's a scene uh, on the yeah. Eiffel Tower. So the filmmakers had suddenly discovered the Eiffel Tower as an excellent location, hadn't they? Yep. Quite easy to film in, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she, and, and she runs up to the top of it and then parachutes yeah. off of it. That's a, weird, it yeah. that's a weird unnecessary escape, wouldn't you say? Well, I guess, you know, they, they wanted a big sort of... They wanted kind of like a big reveal, didn't they, for Grace mm. Jones? Yeah. You know, to go, oh, she's, you know, she's kind of bird that will run up to the top of the Eiffel Tower and jump off the parachute. She's very dynamic. <laughs> Do you remember the the video to Duran Duran's A View to a Kill was Le Bon oh, yeah. and, and all the other members, Nick Rhodes, all of them, were all yeah, dressed yeah. At, up as spies at the Eiffel yeah. Tower, weren't they, with cameras and shit like that? Well, it's it's funny because originally, I believe, like you know that the, one, one of the reasons why um, Christopher Walken has the look he has in this film that sort of blonde, almost albino, yeah. isn't it? Is because they 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 they, pra- they almost practically designed the look of Max Owen on David Bowie, 
and we're hoping ah, he's going to okay. take the role. Oh, that would so be good, wouldn't it? Take the role. And I believe the idea was, well, maybe he would do the theme song as well. Anyway, yeah. it fell through. So they went to Duran, Duran and, and um, Christopher Walken came in. But they, he kind of made him look like David Bowie for the film. Yeah, OK. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's a fascinating idea. I mean, it would have actually mm. been brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah that's why Max, Max Zorin had that look for that reason. I was reminded of something earlier when you were talking about, you know, when, he's, when um, James Bond is getting his This Is Your Mission bit, yeah? Yeah. Fucking Q and his stupid little fucking robot armadillo thing. It's bloody shit. It's like um, it's like shit. a big track from Argos. Yeah, he's just playing around it. I know it's eighty-five, but still, they must have. They'd I, had better. They'd had better toys than that in the sixties, yeah, mate. They did, and he's kind of like, and of course, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> that the only point of that seeing that stupid fucking robotic armadillo at the beginning mm. seems to be so that at the end. You could have, you know, there's, you know, like Q, there's a bit of a subtext of Q being this dirty old voyeur, isn't there? Because he's always sort of peeking in on yeah. um, James Bond. Yeah, and he always acts, he, he always acts a bit yeah, acts like, disappointed. Oh, look, 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 it. But it's like, like, mate, you don't have to, you you fucking, nah. you know me, I'm James Bond. How long, yeah. how long have we known each other, mate, right? Yeah. How long have we known each other? Fucking years, yeah. right? You know... That if I'm alone with a woman, there's a good chance I'm going to be either having it off her or trying yeah, fucking hard trying to have it off her. To, yeah. So why do you always stick your head in, have a good yeah. fucking look, get an eyeful, and then act all surprised <laughs> yeah. and befuddled by it, right? I'll tell you what, you fucking no question, know. He built that fucking robotic armadillo mm. just for the purposes of trying to, you know, yeah. get, a, get a pipe <laughs> at Roger. You know, on the job. I, I do think it's but, funny that all these old the, British men, yeah, gone. <laughs> worst thing is, the worst thing is, the, so at the end of A View to a Kill, right? Yeah. The final scene, it's all over, it's done. Max Owen has, uh, has fallen to his death and all that. Mm. Mayday's been blown up. And um, in the final scene, it's the final scene that you, you often get in Bond films, particularly mm. in Roger Moore Bond films, of him in bed with the Bond girl. <laughs> So he's in a shower with Tanya Roberts, Stacey Sutton, and he takes his little robotic armadillo. He's like, he's got, right, the pretenses Emma said. Like, what? also, what the fuck is wrong with them, man? When Bond's completed his mission, he always wants to know immediately what he's doing to wind down. It's like, just yeah. let him fucking wind down. He's you know what? The world. I've done my like, fucking job. Like, Do we know where, where 007 is? Leave the cunt alone, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He, so yeah. he says to Q at the end of a lot of Roger Moore film, go and find out what, what he's up to, right? So it ends with Q with his stupid robotic armadillo thing, like driving it right round like Roger Moore's house or Stacey Satin's house, there's a fucking house it was, the hotel room, goes into the bathroom because he can hear showers on, right? <laughs> Drives in with his little robotic thing. I'll have a good fucking a butchers at this. <laughs> <laughs> to have a butchers mm. at Roger Moore, you know, shagging Stacey Sutton, standing up, which, as we've discussed many times before, is a human impossibility. Yeah, sex exactly. Up, Ridiculous. Only exists in movies, but yeah. that's another that's another deal. Yeah. And so he drives in there and does his usual cue thing of going, oh, for goodness sakes, you know, he's totally like hanging yeah. it on. And then worst of all, worst of all, this is the last scene with Roger Moore playing Bond in film history. Yeah? Ever, yeah. He's about to give us his last line, if you can call it a line. Yeah. His last line as is James, James Bond, Bond an illustrious yeah. career, 
Luster's career, his last line isn't really a line, but the last thing out of his mouth is, ha ha ha, oh. That's Roger Moore's <laughs> final line. That's his, his sign off. That's his sign off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, in some ways, mate, it's quite fitting because. <laughs> Think um, what the bum was it, Roger? What, what what I felt was, what I felt was was that Roger Moore brought some welcome carry on vibes to the Bond franchise, yeah. and so for him to end on you know one of the most carry on noises you can possibly make. <laughs> um, uh, funny enough, I always thought Kenneth Connor or Terry uh, Scott would have made a better cue anyway, and they would have been oh Terry much, Thomas, oh he would have been uh, so good. Oh yeah, he would have been great. Any of those guys would have been much better in the role of um, constantly trying to cop an eye load of Bond's latest <laughs> squeeze. Oh, like he's a, you get his idea. He's a he's a government funded scientist, right? Who puts all of his energies and taxpayers' money into creating technology that basically allow him to look at girls' tits. <laughs> Disgusting, really. You know, and this was in an era when Margaret Thatcher was really trying to oh, cut down on the amount of money that civil servants were given for those kind of indulgences. So she was probably fuming when she watched it. Anyway, let's. Uh, we got to wrap it up, mate. We've been going yeah, on for forty-eight got, minutes. I, mean, I, tell you, I tell you what. This this is why we picked View to Occur. I mean, we might do some other Roger Moore ones. It'd be a shame not to because just mm. they are rife, aren't they? But. We picked for you to kill because it is it is just the one that when you watch it you love it. I mean, I love a view to kill. Like mm. I say, I think it's got one of the best Bond villains of them all. I think Grace Jones is brilliant in it. You know, Rog is brilliant in it and very funny, even though mm. you know, and you get to see Johnston in it. But it's all in there, and it the bits that are ludicrous are actually pretty charming. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you love them. You love it. Oh, you yeah. love it for its good bits. You love it for its faults. Yeah, yeah. And I don't yeah. think... I can't see it ever being recapturing... I mean, you know, different bonds are good <laughs> for different reasons. And then, you yeah. know, your yeah. Dalton, your Brosnans and your uh, Craigs have all brought something different to it. But yeah. Roger Moore, Jesus Christ, I can't imagine another actor ever being able to recreate that sort of vibe that he did in that film and all his others. So anyway... Played himself, didn't he? In yeah. the best possible sense, yeah. he played himself, and no one else can can do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's wrap it up there. I hope you've enjoyed that. I'm sure we will be revisiting some bondage at, at some point again. But I hope you enjoyed that. Um, as ever, the Twitter account at Beatmax Babylon. Please make sure you're following. Please interact with this. You know, we're, we're on there, ready to interact a lot of the time. We don't really have much of life. No, we're just thinking about this shit. So, you know, we'll chat to you whenever you want. So we want you to to do it. If you want to email us, it's bigmaxbabylon at gmail.com. So thanks for listening and till next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.